All right, folks, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, the very first book of the New Testament. Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. And we're, we're taking a break from our normal series through John, and we're going right over to Matthew to talk about Christmas. And so this week, I, I was really pondering a lot about Christmas messages. I'm, I'm used to going through books, and so when we come to Christmas and Easter, Easter I have to give it some thought. And, and I was interacting with somebody this week, and he kept mentioning Joseph, Joseph. And I thought, yeah, Joseph, yeah. Joseph. I've never talked about Joseph. And there's a lot there. And uh, so uh, I, I checked with him to make sure the person I was talking to, I didn't want him thinking I was stealing his thunder or his sermon. So uh, this is my sermon. And so I hope that uh, this will speak to you. Because what we're going to talk about today is God's plan in faith. Faith. We're going to talk about your faith, my faith, and about how important it is in our daily lives. And I, and I think, to be honest with you, as I think about myself over the last year, God has been really showing me and asking me, do, George, do you trust me? Do you have faith in me to believe me to do what I'm going to do? Do you trust me? And I, and I think about all of life is an issue of asking yourself questions about faith and whether or not you trust Jesus. It was very much evident to me this year as I've interacted with folks who have gone on to be with Jesus and their last times together with them. You know, they always ask the same question. You know, I'm, am I going to make it? And you're like, man, why are they asking that question? They, they love Jesus. They've served Jesus with all their life. They are the epitome of spirituality to me, their pastor. And they're asking this question because that's the final test of faith, isn't it? Are we going to make it? So the question is, do we trust him? And, and then this whole issue of faith was really coming out to me and it's like here we are at Christmas and, and let's be honest, let's, let's forget all the celebrations. Let, I'm not forgetting the cheese ball, but let's lay aside the cheese ball for a moment, okay? And the ham and the family celebrations and, and all the other stuff that goes with this time of year and the, the gifts that are given and all of this stuff. Let, let's lay, lay all aside the celebration, okay? The reality is, is we're celebrating something that we have to assume is true by what? Faith. Faith. That God came in human flesh to live among us. And so as I was looking, thinking about, stirred about Joseph and looking at Joseph's life, that there, there was a reality that, you know, yeah, Joseph had to have some faith. And that, that speaks to us. Why? Well, let's, let's talk about it. Let's talk about God and you for a moment, okay? Before we look at the passage, I've got two points I want to make. Because this is how we tend to operate in the church, okay? Here's the first one. It's easy to just assume that God's in control of everything. God's in control. It's his plan. Isn't that what you say, George? The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, Psalm 37, verse 23. 
Whatever's going to happen, it's happening. And sometimes we get cynical, right? You know, we get cynical like, oh, what's the use? God's in control. I'll just do whatever. And so we just assume God's in control. He's going to bring Jesus, fine. That's going to happen. Jesus is going to come back later. Great. And we're just along for the ride. Whether we want to acknowledge that or not, we live like that. Okay? But, but here's, here's the second thing I want you to see. We tend to forget that our faith is part of the story. You and I tend to forget that our faith, our trust in Jesus, our, our, our embracing of what he says and what he's told us he's going to do is part of the story. Because to be honest with you, we just kind of assume that faith is just having this right set of beliefs, like Jesus is the Son of God, Jesus died for me, Jesus rose from the dead, Jesus is coming back, check, I can mark off, check on every one of those points, and I'm okay, and, 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 and we then struggle with the rest of our life trying to figure out, well, how am I going to get do this, and how am I going to deal with that, and God, are you really going to help me with this? And so we question God a lot. Because faith to us is nothing more than a bunch of beliefs. Not something that pours out of us in trust. Because it comes out of a relationship. And I think, to be honest with you, Joseph, the stepfather of Jesus, really illustrates that for us. I mean, you understand Joseph is not the biological dad of Jesus, right? Everybody understand that? You know the story. He was born of Mary, a virgin, conceived by the Holy Spirit. But in their culture, that, that carried some, some baggage with it, a, a young maiden, which, by the way, can we understand? So just so you know, Mary wasn't like a 22-year-old Mary probably was 14 years old. How do you know that, George? Well, that's when they got married then. And you want to know how old Joseph was? Joseph wasn't 22 years old either. He may have been 30. And that's the culture. Betrothing a daughter to be married to an older guy still happens in the Middle East to this day. So, from that, we're going to see God's plan and faith. We're going to see how God's plan works out with Joseph and then where his faith comes in. And his faith comes in in a big way in the last two verses that we're going to look at here. But it means something for you and I because as we go about our lives... And we want to do what God wants us to do. And yes, he's in control. And yes, he has a plan for your life. And yes, he wants to accomplish something with you. But your faith fits in there as well. So let's look at this together, okay? So let's notice with me, we're going to start with verse 18. Verse 18. Here's what Matthew, the apostle Matthew, records. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. And after his 
mother Mary, was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he, shall, he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from the sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he was called and he called his name Jesus. All right, so let's wrap our brain around what's going on here for a moment. So when you approach this passage, I don't want you to think about uh, how we handle marriage in our culture. We typically, when we enter into passages, we want to think of it in terms of how we approach things in our world. Well, their approach to marriage was completely different than ours, okay? So our approach is a little bit different, so I'll give you an example of Lori and I. So, you know, Lori and I, she caught my attention in 1991 at a at a Super Bowl party that I was having at my house with a bunch of people from uh, the youth ministry area. And one of, one, of, one of my friends, his fiance, invited Lori, her roommate, to come along, and she caught my attention. And I thought, man, what an awesome girl. She paid me no mind. She thought I had a nice microwave, okay? So I was scheming and conniving, trying to figure out how to get a date with her. That took about six, seven, eight months. Got a date with her. She was hard to try to get a date with. Finally, I got that happening, and here it, uh, it took a while, but we ended up getting married. Now, how that happened was, I knew that in our tradition, you got to go to the dad and ask the dad for permission to marry his daughter. So, okay, so I decided to come up with Lori for a weekend and go with her dad to a men's retreat up in Warren, PA, where they were having a, uh, some kind of men's gathering or something, and I don't even remember what it was, but I knew that that weekend I was supposed to ask her dad, and I was scared to death thinking he's going to tell me, no, get out of here, you know what I'm saying? But no, he didn't do that. And so we ended up getting married. And that's typical, our weird situation is typical of how things happen, right? Normally. There are other stories, but that's typically normal. Jewish culture is completely different. Typically, the decision about marriage took place while the daughter's probably young, a child. Families are already talking about how to arrange, and this is it. We choose in our culture, right? Aren't you glad for that? How would you like your mom and dad to choose who you married? Oh, that would be terrible. 
But yeah, but that's the way it was back then. So there it would be an arrangement. And so what would happen is, is that when the agreement would take place and whatever the agreement was, the girl would be betrothed to the groom. It's kind of like a half marriage. They would already be considered husband and wife, but not completely yet. They would just be considered betrothed. So here's Mary, probably 14 at the time, living with her mom and dad. And she's already in this commitment to marry Joseph. And they're considered husband and wife, although not completely yet, because in their culture, what would happen is, what would have to take place, is the groom typically would have to build a place, typically onto his father's house or onto a family member's house, a place for them to live. And then when the... When the arrangements were done the groom the bridegroom would come with his party to pick up the girl and bring her back to the new house and the marriage would be complete because they would consummate the marriage and it would be fulfilled and that's typically what happened in their culture now here's the problem marriage betrothed so she's already considered the wife of joseph but not completely yet She's pregnant. So you guys know biology, right? By the time they figure out she's pregnant, she's probably a few months along. And at some point it begins to be evident that, oh, Mary's pregnant. Now Joseph wouldn't have hardly any contact with her. He's not like hanging out at her house, hanging out with mom and dad, having festivities. He's with his family. And the word is, she's pregnant. Now what they would do in that situation is, is that they really had two options. Obviously something immoral happened is what their assumption would be. And if he really wanted to make a decision, he would have to report it, which would ultimately result in who dying? Mary. Or he could do something else. So here's the two points I want you to see. Here's the human dimension. Joseph found himself in a situation that he did not anticipate. He's not anticipating this. If, if he's going about life, he's thinking, man, I've, I've, I've got a woman. She's coming. She's 14. We're going to make a life and we'll have many heirs. Now, listen, this is the thing about Jews. Their anticipation is to have more kids because maybe one of them would bear the Messiah. And so he's thinking, I'm, I'm making all these preparations and so forth. And then word comes to him, maybe because they live in close quarters, maybe through family members or through a friend, and somebody's showing up and he's saying, yo, Joe, I don't know if you know, but Mary's changing. Maybe it was like that. You know, she's, she looks different. Are you, are you prepared? What do you mean she's different? She do her hair different? You know, you know she's pregnant. That, that would be devastating to Joseph. Do you understand what I'm saying? That would be devastating. And that would, if you're in his situation, the first initial response to that is you would what do you, get angry, wouldn't you? You would feel betrayed. 
Because even though they're not fully married yet, they are married in the Jewish system, betrothed. And sometimes that anger results in, well, she's going to pay. And so we're going to what? Make a public spectacle of this. How did her parents let this happen? We're going to learn. But that's not what Joseph does. Here's what Joseph does. Here's my second point. Joseph was determined to respond in the right way. He was determined to respond in the right way. What's, What's the right way in this situation? Well, if you look at the text, it tells you there, verse 19, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. He's a just man. He's, he's a good man. He didn't want to humiliate her. He's not sure what's going on. He's got questions in his mind. And, and, and first of all, he doesn't know anything like we, we know the story. So we understand what's going on, right? He doesn't understand. And so he's like, uh, we'll just put her away. Now, put her away is a nice way of saying divorce. We'll just divorce her quietly. And act like nothing happened. She'll have to deal with whatever she's got to deal with. But as far as I'm concerned, we're just going to put her away. That, that is the human dimension. That's how we approach life, right? We respond to the things that come our way, either rightly or wrongly, in a human manner with what we know. And so we're looking at what Joseph knows. And you'd have to commend him. You'd have to say, wow. I, I don't know that I would have responded the same way. But that's how he responded. So that's where the text goes and tells you that there's a divine revelation. You've got to understand their culture. They're, they're a little bit different than our culture. I mentioned this in Sunday school. Middle Eastern folks, and they would be a part of, it's true today, and, and it was true back then. Dreams are a big thing to them. When dreams happen, dreams are considered in that culture to be from God. So he has a dream because the dream is real because somebody shows up in his dream. Let's read it together. Notice what it says there, starting in verse um, 20. Here's what he says. And while he thought about these things, so he's pondering these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. So he's thinking about these things. So and 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 isn't that the way we operate? You know, like right now, I mean I've 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 got something that's consuming my mind. I should be putting it out of my mind, but it's something that happened, and I'm like, man, all I can do is think about this thing. And and I'm like, what am I gonna do? And I, I I wake up in the middle of the night thinking about it. That's the way we are, right? We think about stuff. And and, and this is Joseph. He's thinking about, man, this is, I did not anticipate. This is not the dream I had. This is not the vision. So he's, he's going to bed, and guess what? He's thinking about it. But he falls asleep. And in his sleep, God shows up. Or an angel of God shows up. Here's, here's the point I want you to see. Um, God sends an angel to intervene. To intervene. Because look, what's the decision? All right, so we understand God's plan, right? God's plan is 
Mary's to conceive, have a baby, that baby's going to be Jesus, right? That's God's plan. But there's a human factor in this plan, right? It's called Joseph, who at this point doesn't understand God's plan, who's only thinking about what's appropriate and what's culturally right, and he's thinking, I'm going to do the right thing. We'll just put her away quietly. And God shows up and says, wait a minute, hold on. That ain't the right answer. So he sends an angel to intervene. To intervene in the life of Mary, Joseph, and the soon-to-be the baby Jesus. So here's what he does. God's plan and purpose for Mary is revealed. Here's what he does. He tells Joseph, hey, that baby she's carrying, that's not from some dude in town. That baby she's carrying, just so you understand, that's the Holy Spirit showed up, moved on her, and she conceived. That baby is going to grow up to be the salvation of Israel. What you've been wanting all of your life, son of David. What all of Israel has wanted. That baby is going to be the Messiah. And it has to be this way in accordance with the scripture because the scripture says, the virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son. And you shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. That baby, you're going to call him Jesus. Now, did you notice something? It's the task of the father to name the child. And so he's saying to Joseph here, who's getting ready to say adios to her, look, you need to take this woman as your wife. Don't be afraid to take her. Because you're going to name him, you, Joseph, are going to name him Jesus. And he will save his people from their sins. That's God showing up. And so Joseph wakes up. And unlike us, if we woke up from that, we would say, man, too many hot Italian sausages the night before. I shouldn't have watched that movie and went to bed late. It's different in their culture. That means something to them. He realizes this ain't the normal dream. That was God. So what we see then now is faith in action. Because what follows in verse 24 and 25 is Joseph's faith. And I'm going to explain it to you. Because we can just read them and just breeze right through them. But I'm going to show you there's two things that he does that's an act of faith. Okay, let's look with it me. Look with me, verse 24, okay? First one we're going to see in verse 24. And Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. First thing I want you to see here, faith in action. Joseph steps out in faith, takes Mary as his wife. Remember I told you where there was this process which, okay, during the betrothal period, the, the husband was supposed to prepare a place and, the, and then set all the festivities. And they would, they would have like, I mean, we're, not, we're talking like a reception. 
Like, you know, our reception is like a few hours long. Hope there's enough food there. And, and, you know, and will I get out in time to go do what I got to do? But, you know, and their, their receptions are seven days long. Think about that if you're planning to have your daughter get married. Seven days of festivities. What a bill, right? And so here's Joseph, though. He's, he he's realizes, gets up in his mind, he's realizing this is something special going on here. This is God. So he gets up, and what does he do? He immediately goes and takes Mary as his wife. He steps out on faith. He sets aside his human plan, putting her away, divorcing her quietly, and he goes and he takes her. Why? Because he realizes, I'm going to trust God. And he told me not to be afraid, and he told me to take her. So he does. First act of faith. There's a second act of faith. Look with me at verse 25. You maybe have never considered this but it's pretty profound. Verse 25. And did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. Now, I'm, I'm going to discreetly dis describe what we all know, and that, that is married couples are intimate, right? Right? And intimacy takes place even when there's a pregnancy, right? What this text is telling us here is Joseph, when he took her, wasn't intimate with her. The whole time she carried Jesus. Whoa. That's faith. That's faith in what? He had revealed, heard from God through the angel that the child which she was bearing was supposed to be born of who? A virgin. So he just doesn't act in faith by taking her as his wife. He acts in faith by what? Not being intimate with her because she's supposed to bear a child as a what? Virgin. That's faith, isn't it? That's really trusting in what God said. That's really trusting in the reality of what he promised. That's faith. Now let's, okay, so how do we connect these together? Okay, so remember I told you our, our assumption is that um, God's in control of everything and he'll just, he'll just be in control. We operate that way. But I told you also that your faith is part of the story. Your trust in God is part of the story. So folks, was God in control of how Jesus was born? Yes or no? Yeah. Was God in control of all the circumstances? His word was going to be fulfilled. She was going to be born of a virgin. She was going to be born in this place, Bethlehem. And that child would grow up and be Jesus and die for our sins. Yes. That's his plan. 
But intermixed with the plan is what? Human beings. Who have to what? Trust what God says and act in faith. Because here's the thing. You already know from the story, Joseph could have woke up in the morning and said, man, bad dream. I don't know. Bad milk maybe the night before. I don't know. Something's wrong here. I'm going to go ahead with my plan. What? Put her away. Or, well, we're married now. Well, let, let nature take its course. But he doesn't do that. Why? Because he's acting on what God said. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's acting by faith on what God says because he trusts who? God. Because that's where his hope is. What hope? That God would bring forth a child who would be the Messiah and set Israel free. Because that's what the Jews were hoping for. And it just so happened that the one girl that was going to be his wife was the one who was chosen to bear that child. And so he acted in faith. That's what's so amazing about the Christmas story, isn't it? It's not just God's plan, but it's about faith from human beings in the God. Now, what has that got to do with you and I? So let's bring it down to another level, you and I, right now. Really, can I tell you something? It's about your faith. I'm not talking about your checking off in your mind all of the doctrines. I believe in this. I believe in that. I believe in that. That's good. But it comes down to, do you trust God? With whatever he's telling you, you, to do through his word that he's revealing to you, do you trust him? Do you have faith to act on that and allow God to bring forth what he wants to bring forth in your life? And trust me, he wants to bring forth something. Why else does he say in Psalm 37, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in them? God delights in your life. And then he follows it up with verse 24 and it says, and though he yet stumble, he will not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. God's plan includes your mess-ups. Because he loves you. And he wants to fulfill something in your life. So there's his plan. So the question is, where's your faith? Where's your trust? What do you mean, George? Think about it for a moment. Abraham, won't you leave your place? I'm going to give you this land, and you're going to be, I'm going to change your name from Abram to Abraham, the father of many. He doesn't even have a son. And you're going to have a son, Abraham. So what does he do? He goes by faith, leaves Ur, goes up to Haran, from Haran goes down to Canaan. Just he and Sarah, and for 25 years, he's holding on to faith until she gives birth to who? Isaac. 25 years. 
And that faith was accounted to him as what? Righteousness. Do you see? And from that plan, God's plan, bringing Abram there, out of that came who? Israel. And out of Israel came who, folks? Jesus. There's God's plan. But then there's faith. So where's your faith? As we celebrate Christmas, are you trusting in Jesus with whatever you're facing? Are you trusting in him? Let me pray for you.